This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com fool and enter promo code fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen, and we are in studio here at Fool Headquarters, getting this show ready for September 5th. And if you haven't heard it already, be sure to check out our bonus Labor Day weekend episode with an introduction to the Industry Focus podcast, our newest host, Sarah Priestley, and some trends and companies that we're watching in each of our sectors. For today, we're answering another listener question, been really busy with the mailbag, and uh, then we're going to revisit a corner of the retail industry that many analysts were ready to uh, write the obituary on a little bit for uh, not too long ago. But joining me via Skype is SeniorFool.com contributor Asit Sharma. Welcome back, Asit. Thanks, Vince. As always, it's great to be with you today. Yeah. Um, this is related. This question I have for you is related to our first topic. And to kick things off, uh, I, I want to ask you, what is your preferred grocery store chain? So, my preferred grocery chain is actually one owned by Kroger. It's Harris Teeter. Extremely close to my house, bright stores, well stocked. But our family, we shop uh, second most at Whole Foods. We have a Costco membership. We stop in at Trader Joe's. One or two things we get from Food Lion. So, we, and a Sprouts just opened around the corner from this Harris Teeter. So, we frequent six to seven uh, grocery stores. How about you, Vince? Well, I'm surprised because I found that asking this question to some other fools here, that a lot of people have quite a bit of loyalty to their favorite chain, I guess, depending what's most convenient to them. But I'm from New Jersey, and you'll hear a lot of us commiserate that there aren't nearly enough Wegmans in the DC metro area, that they're just too far out, uh, not that convenient to get to. But we love Wegmans um, back at home. Um, and another place I've actually grown pretty fond of since joining The Fool is Whole Foods, because there's a location just a few minutes away, and I never used to shop there previously. Um, we've spoken several times now about Whole Foods' acquisition by Amazon, how the two companies are likely to leverage uh, each other's assets and strengths. Um, and it's pretty safe to say now that Amazon isn't wasting any time implementing its vision for Whole Foods. Uh, you know, the deal closed just in the past week, and there are already a bunch of reports indicating that Amazon is cutting prices across the board uh, at Whole Foods stores for a lot of essential items. And uh, there's a report from Bloomberg that did some sampling at a New York City location, and some of those staple items like bananas, eggs, and lettuce were priced about 10% to 40% lower. And considering how Amazon has disrupted other industries in the past, I, I imagine these price cuts are just the beginning. So that brings us to our listener question. Matt has been investing since 1999 when he first bought stocks with some student loans, actually. And unfortunately, he lost 60% in just 12 weeks, but I'm very glad that didn't scare him off. Uh, Matt asked, does the sell-off in grocery stores present a buying opportunity for Costco? In Kroger. So, in the past month, uh, Kroger, Costco, and Walmart shares have all pulled back. And we bang on this drum a lot. Uh, fools, remember not to put too much weight into short term short term share price moves. But uh, there's no denying that the threat I think from that Whole Foods poses now is much larger with the backing of Amazon, even for uh, some of the country's biggest retailers that I mentioned. So, let's start with Kroger, which is down about 10% in the past month. I said, are you as bearish as the rest of the market seems to be on this company right now? 
Vince, I'm not so bearish on Kroger, but I am cautious. Uh, but first things first, Matt, wow, you use leverage to invest <laughs> in stocks, but not in a very conventional way. I'm very impressed by that. Maybe you got more out of the investments than you did your education. I don't know. Sometimes I feel looking back, it's it's 50-50. Yeah. But um, to Kroger, uh, Kroger is interesting. It is one of the largest global um, food retailing companies, food grocery chains, and it has 2,800 locations across the United States in 35 states, but it's a conventional grocer. It's not a discounter, and it's not a high-end grocer like Wegmans uh, or Whole Foods. So it's in an unfortunate position just now. I know on this show, um, I believe, Vince, maybe you and Dan had talked about the onset of Aldi, which is going to spend $3.5 billion. This is a German discount chain, yep. which will ramp up from, I think, 1,600 stores to about 2,500 stores by 2022. Uh, German grocer Little, I hope I pronounced that correctly, is also uh, establishing a beachhead on the East Coast. They will have 500 locations in the U.S. very soon. Walmart this year said that they are going to reaffirm their everyday low pricing philosophy in light of this discount competition. And here's Kroger, which had some problems before the Amazon Whole Foods merger was even announced. Uh, really briefly, those problems started about a year and a half ago in that Kroger was one of the first chains because of its breadth and scale to experience grocery deflation. So th there are two types of deflation. There's cost deflation. That's when farmers have bumper crops and they can offer their goods at lower prices to grocery stores. And there's retail deflation, which is when those grocers, instead of taking the profits that the farmers give them, pass it on in the form of price discounts and promotions to get an edge on the competition. So Kroger and the rest of the industry has been embroiled in a slow burn of both cost and price deflation. They're starting to compete with each other as they get savings from farmers. Uh, so Kroger had this problem, and I think Vince, in some notes you and I traded, I pointed out that last year, um, or the year before, on December 29th, Kroger stock peaked at $41.5 per share, mm -hmm. and it's down over 50% since then. So um, this is two. these are two reasons to be cautious, that price deflation that Kroger is undergoing and this increased industry competition. Uh, that it's also exposed to being in the middle, not a discounter and not a high-end store. Um, what are your thoughts about it, Vince? Well, I, I say that um, for Matt, uh, what you mentioned in terms of its position and um, just the increasing competition, that is the big takeaway. You know, This is an $800 billion industry. It's massive. And the companies involved are all dumping billions of dollars themselves uh, to reinvest in the pricing and to expand and remain competitive. So in that environment, uh, you know, Kroger does lack a bit of that edge or that competitive, emo competitive moat that a lot of fools like to see in a company. Um, and uh, they've acquired other chains in the past. I think they've done a good job increasing their scale and their purchasing power. But if I told a regular Kroger shopper, that Whole Foods now uh, offers the majority of items on their shopping list at equal or better prices, I think a lot of them would go to see what the hubbub is all about. And uh, you know, that's another thing. It's it's not like Amazon only has that one option with Whole Foods in that 
it can only compete on price. It can offer so many things in terms of uh, they're already uh, releasing some of their uh, smart home speaker uh, offerings at Whole Foods stores. Uh, they can uh, also bring in some of the benefits of a Prime membership to kind of widen uh, how it tr- or just increase how attractive it is to go to a Whole Foods. Yeah, the the um, reach of Amazon is really interesting because you may have read articles in the news that well, Whole Foods only has 460 odd locations between. Uh, the U.S. and the U.K. and Canada, most of those in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But what you mentioned, Vince, is very interesting. If Amazon starts activating its Prime members, and nobody really knows how many Prime members there are, um, Bloomberg cited estimates last week that there are over 80 million Prime customers, about a quarter of the U.S. Prop- population. If that's true, and Amazon starts incentivizing Prime members to buy essentially Whole Foods items online, they can cut into store traffic and they can cut into the average basket size at places like Kroger, even if there's not a Whole Foods in proximity uh, anywhere near a Kroger. And that's really surprising and interesting uh, aspect of, of this deal that none of us really saw coming a few months ago. I want to add one more thing um, on what exactly Amazon and Whole Foods just did starting Monday. The, the items that they lowered prices on are core staples. They are organic eggs, beef, um, fish. So these are items you buy every day. They're not exotic items. And this is a G-rated show, so I'm gonna put it this way. That kicks Kroger right in the place where it hurts most because (laughs) Kroger is experiencing this core deflation in its staples, these very items. So that's gonna hurt Kroger's margins. Um, In terms of valuation, Matt, Kroger does look attractive on paper, on the show, I always talk about the forward P.E. ratio, what a stock sells for versus a year's worth of earnings uh, if you look out. And Kroger currently trades at around 11 times forward earnings. That's half of what most grocers trade at. Uh, most grocers trade above 20 times forward earnings. But um, it's a hard call. Kroger has said, management said, that they are going to stand by price as one way to keep their customers. And that sounds to me like not the greatest strategy, although we should mention that they have introduced a lot of other innovations into their business. Yeah, I think some investors were actually pretty concerned um, based on uh, the news coming out in terms of comments from the CEO um, and what they've said about their insistence on potentially fighting on the pricing side, but also you know what kind of uh, what kind of price? Uh, what kind of damage that does in terms of their profitability and how sustainable that really is long term. Um, but I do want to move on to the other company that Matt mentioned uh, specifically, and that was Costco. And I like to think that this is somewhat familiar territory for Costco in that uh, you look at a Walmart and its reputation for low prices. You know, the company has a gross profit margin of about 25%. Costco though just half that at about 13% and it thrives, I think Costco thrives a lot on undercutting the competition um, because it's able to look past its store aisles essentially when it comes to its bottom line. So, if anything Costco kind of a grizzled veteran when it comes to a, a, a pricing war. But what do you think about the company? Costco is the opposite of Kroger in this one respect. I said at the outset that Kroger is a conventional grocery store. And usually what we mean by that is a grocer which tries to offer everything 
uh, hasn't changed much since its conception in the 1950s when grocery stores first came about in their present form. Um, Costco is non-conventional in that it entices customers to buy in bulk. So it has a, a differentiation that other grocery stores don't. You have to have an edge and a niche in the grocery industry if you're going to survive. Only a few companies have survived uh, at any type of scale over the years. Kroger's one of them. It, it's a industry which sees multiple bankruptcies uh, every few decades, maybe coming in for another cycle. But that's a sto uh, different story, different uh, segment, which maybe we can tackle later. I like Costco because it, as you said, it's a grizzled veteran. It manages to find ways to grow comparable sales. Um, I think this last quarter, comps grew 3%, and Costco showed an 8% total top line increase. And it's done this by differentiating not just its total offering, but the services uh, component, which we should mention Kroger also has a few of these. It Kroger owns some beauty salons. It, it has uh, stations with uh, gas in some of its grocery stores. Costco has its automotive centers. It sells its memberships. It has uh, another path to revenue in its co-branded Affinity Card with City Visa. So it has a, a real diversified approach to its revenue, which has served it well. The other thing I really like about Costco is that it's not so concentrated in the U.S. Kroger, as I said, is, is basically uh, it's a global company. Most of its operations are, are right here in the U.S. Costco has about 30% of locations outside the U.S., and that pace is accelerating. This year, it's going to open a total of 26 new locations. Half of those will be international. So on all fronts, it's got a little more insulation than Kroger does against the pricing onslaught that's coming from not just Whole Foods Amazon, but the German grocers that we talked about and others in the industry. Yeah, I think the established international presence that Costco has, you know, that is a very important runway for growth that a lot of investors look to. And uh, even something uh, beyond uh, some of the, the services that they offer, um, I think uh, Costco is another uh, star or a really good example of leveraging uh, their in-house brand with Kirkland Signature uh, as another value, very uh, highly valued offering that customers love and will return to Costco for. And of course, a lot of these grocery stores have uh, pushed and invested a lot in their private label brands, but I just feel like Kirkland Signature is one of those uh, cream of the crop examples. So otherwise, Matt, we hope you follow up and let us know if you end up investing into any of these uh, companies in the space. Uh, and thanks again for sharing your story and writing in again uh, for uh, such a rough experience starting out with that student loan play uh, for those stocks. Uh, I'm glad that you are listening and that you're still in it. So if any other fools want to write in and ask a question, share your thoughts or anything, you can email us at industryfocus@fool.com or tweet to MF Industry Focus. And before before we move on, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Casper. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting out the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings on directly to consumers. Casper mattresses are made in the USA with supportive memory foams that give you just the right amount of sink and bounce in the sleeping surface. Their breathable designs sleep cool to help regulate your temperature through the night. A lot of people here at Full Headquarters have converted to Casper, and I hear them raving all the time about how convenient the delivery was, the comfort and quality of the mattresses, and how much better they're sleeping each night. And seriously, Casper makes it really easy to give their mattresses a shot with a risk-free 100-day trial. Considering how much time we spend in bed, 
You should be able to really sleep on a mattress before committing to it, and Casper offers exactly that option with 100 nights to try out their products. Just order online with free shipping and free returns. And for our foolish listeners, you can save an additional $50 toward a mattress purchase by going to casper.com fool and entering the promo code fool. That's casper.com fool, promo code fool. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Asset, we talked about doom and gloom a little bit here for Kroger and some of the other big grocery stores in the first segment. And I want to f- kind of flip it around now. Uh, the increasingly low pricing that these companies have had to offer to drawn customers uh, should potentially also shrink the moat and take some of the luster away from another corner of the retail space, and that's discount retailers uh, and dollar stores. So Dollar General leads uh, this corner, and co- competition, I think, do you are you are we starting to see it manifest itself in the company's results they just reported today? Yeah, Dollar General uh, reported earnings that looked great on the surface. Sales were up eight point one percent. Same store sales were up two point six percent. And this is in an environment where most grocery chains and discount uh, food chains are showing flat comps or negative comps. So. I thought those were great results, but the stock is getting beat up in the market today. I saw it early this morning. I think Dollar General was down 7%. Maybe shortly we uh, went on air to tape Vince. It was down about 5%. The reason the stock gave up, the company gave up one percentage point in margin, operating margin, to achieve those results. And I think that's a really great illustration of what's going on in the grocery sector um, in general. And why these two sectors are lumped together, most dollar stores have the preponderance of their sales in consumables, in food. Uh, I think for Dollar General recently this year, it's about 76% of its total sales are related to consumables. So what happens in the grocery industry obviously affects these companies. Uh, The dollar stores have found that they can indeed raise their revenue by opening a lot of stores by enticing customers in. So they have been able to stick around, surprisingly, in the face of all this competition, but they're having to give up margin to do it, to use promotional discounts uh, then to get those sales. And investors don't like that. Yeah. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on, on I think, the results today? You know, with Dollar General and uh, some of the ongoing strategy that they've had, that they've had success with, um, in terms of, for example, offering. Uh, the speed and convenience and value that customers want, and also often uh, pushing with locations and expansion into areas that maybe aren't as well served by some of the really big changes that we've mentioned so far on the show. But ultimately, uh, you know, a thought that I had in terms of Kroger being kind of in the middle, uh, not premium, not really a discount, uh, doesn't have as much of that moat. At the same time, I look at a uh, at some of the stores uh, in this discount space, and these are not destination stores. Um, I, the way I thought about it, you're unlikely to spend an hour kind of lazily browsing at a Dollar General, but I can. Uh, I've done it myself. I can definitely see customers doing that at a Whole Foods or a Costco, and. Uh, with the dollar stores offering that convenience, speed, and value, I mentioned they're ultimately getting attacked on a few different fronts now. Uh, you know, the grocery price war, as you mentioned, chips away at that value proposition, and then the bigger focus that major chains have also made in terms of uh, creating these small format stores or upgrading their store layouts so that customers can get in and out more easily. It takes away from that speed and convenience advantage as well. 
And uh, you know, I found a report that some of the biggest uh, competitors, like Walmart, have even resorted to undercutting uh, competing dollar stores on staple items, and they will specifically lower prices at stores located nearest to a dollar general location, for example, to uh, to essentially steal some of that traffic and uh, and hopefully kind of get a leg up in terms of that competition. Yeah, I agree with you, Vince, in that the dollar stores in general don't have a very wide moat. Um, I would say, though, they've got, instead of a moat, like a really muddy, swampy rivulet <laughs> running right in front of them. Yep. So it's, it, you know, the big stores like Walmart keep looking at the dollar stores, and when they turn their attention to them, they do exactly what you're saying. They, they try to hurt them, and then they get distracted by other bigger competitors. Yep. And one thing that these stores have is a lot of flexibilities. They're very light footprint stores. It's easy to actually close them and open them up. I think Dollar General has about 14,000 stores in 44 states, and it regularly will close or relocate several hundred in a year. They're very good at popping into areas where, which are underserved by traditional grocers. And so they have some insulation against these types of tactics. Uh, I just, I want Wall Street at some point to show these guys a little love. Uh, Dollar General trades right now at a forward PE ratio of 16.9. Uh, Dollar Tree, its competitor, trades at a PE ratio of uh, 15.6. So these are lower than your average grocery stores, but they have a much higher margin. At the end of the day, uh, Dollar General has a net profit margin of 5%. We we're talking about Kroger earlier. Their net profit margin is 0.8%, less than 1%, mm-hmm. and that's a good quarter for Kroger. Uh, Costco, which has a little higher profitability, has a net profit margin of 2.4%. So you got an industry which is somewhat insulated from these price wars, has better margins, can grow a little quicker, but they don't trade at the high multiples that the grocery stores do. And, and that's because, as you point out, investors have a fear that at some point uh, Walmart Costco, these other stores will really get serious about the dollar stores, join hands and try to force them out. But it hasn't happened yet. And I find it interesting that they managed to stick around. Yep. Uh, thank you, Asit, uh, again for being here today. It's about all the time that we have. Um, but I hope that uh, the ending discussion that we had with some of these companies like Dollar General gives Matt an idea and other investors interested in this space. Another option uh, and, and a closer one, I think, in terms of uh, the valuation uh, to being a value play. Um, but thanks again, Fools, for tuning in. Uh, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Fool on.